Hello everyone and welcome back to My Solo Road. Happy to have you here. Uh, We're kind of on a roll right now. I have several episodes recorded. First time in history of My Solo Road that we are like ahead of the game and we love that. But I'm very excited for today's episode. We're just going to kind of jump through some things. We get to sit down with Candice Love. I have followed her for a long time. She is such a badass. She lives in a pro master with her dog. Um, Beautiful dog beautiful woman. Love the van. All good things. Um, Such a good episode. I'm so excited for you guys to hear that just the conversation that we had. It's definitely one of my favorites. I am currently sitting in Sedona. I've been bouncing back and forth between Sedona and Phoenix uh, with Henry and Finn. So I don't remember where I was in last week's episode, but I've just kind of the last few weeks been going between those two places. Enjoying the warmth. Uh, Sedona gets a little chilly at night, but that's kind of my favorite thing. Somebody also hit my van. I haven't even talked about this on Instagram, but somebody hit my van at a trailhead and left. So I have to get that fixed in Phoenix. I'm just waiting on insurance to approve the claim so that we can get started on that. Kind of sucks, but the van is still like it runs. It's drivable. We're good. So not too big of a deal, but it definitely sucks. Before jumping into the episode, though, per usual, we are going to talk about BetterHelp. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I get asked all the time what my code is for better health. That is not a thing. I have a code for BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online uh, therapy platform. It's what I've been using for probably about a year now. I've had several of my friends sign up with my code as well, uh, simply because they were looking for therapy. They live on the road, and it's definitely the most convenient for people who are traveling. Um, also, with everything going on in the world right now, if you don't want to go in to an in-person therapist, um, it's definitely a great option. Um, so if you would like to join one million people today prioritizing their mental health, uh, which I highly recommend doing. Uh, we all could use it right now. Uh, you can go to betterhelp.com slash divine and use code divine. So you can go to betterhelp.com slash divine, use code divine to get 10% off and enjoy this episode with Candice, uh, because I'm so, so excited for you guys to get to know her a little bit more. Amazing. Okay. We're back with the lovely Candace. Hello, beautiful. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm wonderful. Where are you right now? Right now, I'm in Texas. I'm about 45 minutes out from Houston. I'm at the beach in Galveston, Texas. Love that. How's the beach? It's beautiful. It's so peaceful, so quiet. Yeah. yeah, I've never been to a beach in Texas. I've only been on like the coasts of, or like the west and east coast. Yeah, like it's it's so weird because I actually hold other beaches to a higher esteem, maybe because it feels like vacation. And yeah. I forget we have our own beach. So yeah. Right. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you primarily stay in Texas, correct? Yeah, especially at times that I'm working because mm-hmm. there can be times that I'm required to go into work. Right. So I don't really have the luxury of just going full out any any time unless it's a holiday or unless it is this because I have a teacher schedule I have all of those holidays off as well yeah how has van life been in the south so far it's very nice I've enjoyed it yeah. do you have air conditioning the, only, the air conditioning that came with the car Oh, same. That's what I have. Even right now I'm in the desert. I have the doors open, which I never do for a podcast because I know it doesn't make for like the best audio, but it's, I mean, I would be dying in here if I didn't have it on. Yeah. I've experienced moments where I didn't check the weather the way that I should. Yeah. And so super hot. 
So I realized that once June comes, we will not be in the South. We'll be headed up North. Yeah. That just that. makes sense. Yeah. Do you know where but, you're planning on going? You know, I, part of me truly wants to go to Baja and spend the summer there. Mm-hmm. And then another part of me wants to go to Calgary and camp oh, and go to Lake Louise and all of those places. Yeah. It's literally the polar opposite. Yeah. So, and I live in Glacier National Park. I went there and stayed like, what, a week and a half and just fell in love with Glacier. So I would love to go from Glacier to Canada, but we'll see. Because Baja is really like calling my name. Yeah, I'm actually planning to go to Baja in probably two or three weeks and ride out like the rest of spring. But summer, I tend to, I love Montana, like, I mean, Glacier and everything. So I would rather, by then, I think I'm going to swing up north and go more to Montana and Canada, if we can get into Canada. Right. Oh, that's so true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yep. orders are still closed. So why are you going to Baja? Why are you going to Baja? Why am I going? Mm-hmm. really because I'm gonna have so I have a few best friends who are I love that you're asking me questions that's amazing. <laughs> I have a few friends that are finishing up van builds and then they're all going to come to Southern California because this is where we quarantine together like a year ago and a lot of my listeners know this is like it's like an emotional place for me because we really I was on the go on the go on the go for you know two years on the road and then quarantine made us all sit down and stop and so we it was just a really uh an intense bonding experience. Like I usually only see my friends for a week or two. And then suddenly we were together for two months. So they're all going to meet me at that exact same campsite where we quarantined. So we can kind of like be in our feels for a week or two. And because we'll be together and so close to Baja, it just makes sense. Cause like, I don't really want to do it by myself personally. And so being with like some of my good friends and just having the opportunity right there, it's like, why not take it? Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. That makes sense. So I'll be able to get a lot of information from you. Yeah, I would love to. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Campsites, all kinds of stuff. I've watched videos and like 99% of people are like, it's dude, it's fine. It's not a big deal at all. And then there's the 1% where I'm like, I don't know if you're doing it for the sake of views or for something, but it sounds terrifying. Like, why are you making this sound like it it was? Yeah. It's Okay. Did you grow up in Texas? Yes, I did. I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Oh oh my God. You are the Beyonce of van life. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. But were you always adventurous as a kid in Houston, Texas? Oh, that's a great question. I I won't say I was always adventurous, but I was always childlike. Okay. So always um, was happy and having a good time and dancing and doing things like that. Growing up, my cousins and I were always outside riding bikes and, you know, playing kickball and things like that. So, yeah, I would say so, but more just like in a child life. Right. So do you think that van life was a surprise to the people close to you or do you think they were like, oh, yeah, Candace, of course, she would go live in the van? Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't a surprise at all, because before van life, I was already traveling in the U.S. and internationally. So and I was already a solo traveler. So hiking and doing all these different things. I had just come from Peru and the Amazon adventure was my thing for sure but the van was another experience to add to my bucket list right so, so it, didn't, it didn't throw them off at all <laughs> yeah no that's amazing I was, I was just about to ask like what led you to van life so I mean how did you discover it what made you because like for me I always say it was like a real weird light bulb moment for me when I saw because I had traveled some solo as well 
and like gone international. And then I, I was just trying to figure out a way to do it more like sustainably, I guess, like not spend a bunch of money every time. Cause I was spending so much when I was going international that when I saw van life, it was like this light bulb moment for me where I was like, Oh my God, that's it. Like that's, that's what I need to do. So what was, how did you discover it? And kind of what was your experience with that? That's a really good question. I think it was so random and I honestly don't even remember. I think I just started seeing van life on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful pictures is what would stand out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the beautiful scenery and things like that. So I hadn't really put two and two together of the fact that they were actually living in the van. I just saw it was a beautiful way to travel the world in the van. And I also believe that you were one of the first uh, pages that I came across where I was able to see your experience. Yes, ma'am. Not the Beyonce of Van Life finding me first. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, your page was Love one that. of the first. And that's how I was more comfortable with taking Cleo, my German Shepherd, with me. Because I saw you had your dogs with you. Yeah, okay. I w- I'm going to skip a couple questions here because I do want to talk about that. How's your experience been with Cleo? Has she been on the road with you the whole time? The whole time. Oh my yeah. God. I was showing her to, well, I was showing you to Henry. I, he, I, he's my friend. I've been traveling with him for a while. And he was like, oh my God, that dog. And he was like, that's like the, uh, such a badass looking dog. Like as a solo <laughs> woman, you want no other dog than that dog. Was yeah. she, is she a rescue or no? No, she's not. No? What is your experience like with her on the road? She it's, looks intimidating. I'm sure she's one of those dogs who was like, lick your face, the sweetest thing you've ever seen in your life. But <laughs> she just looks like, like that's the dog you want as a solo woman, you know? It is, it is. And you know what's so interesting? I thought that Cleo would be the super friendly dog and she's not. Really? Cleo, I'm here to protect my mom in our house. Don't Stop. look at the bed. Don't look at <sighs> my mom. Don't look at me. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That is like her nature though. Like, is she, is she Belgian Malinois or German Shepherd? You know, a lot of people think she's Belgian, but she's a German Shepherd, but just the brand. So her, her dad was all black mm-hmm. and then her mom was Brenda like she is. Right. Oh, yes. beautiful face. That dog has a beautiful yeah. face. Yeah. And she adapted to the van so well. I mean, right off bat, she adapted so well. And mm-hmm. I was very open to the fact that if this does not work for Cleo, then the van experience just won't be something that I'll have to participate in because mm-hmm. I want her with me and I don't want to leave her, you know, back at home. But right. she adapts so well. And so there are things that we can't do, obviously, like, you know, hiking trails in the national park. Right. So we just find outside things like you can still go on trails at state park. Right. And you can still go, you know, off road if you are at a national park, just things that are outside of the trail. So we just find things that we love to do and find dog park. Yeah. So you said she's like really she guards you in the van pretty heavily. Like, what is that like? Is she which, by the way, I judge absolutely no dog that exists ever. So is she like does she show any signs of aggression at all? And I ask this because people do have aggressive dogs and they want to do van life. So how Mm. like whether she is or is not, how do you navigate that type of personality? Because I have two very like I mean Pearl barks my chihuahua but both of them are pretty submissive and like not intimidating so how do you kind of go about that yeah so I would definitely classify and I hate (laughs) I don't hate but it's so weird speaking about my child in this way but she is aggressive (laughs) yeah (laughs) aggressive as hell so (laughs) what she does is she's so protective like at nighttime she barely sleeps she sleeps in the front of the in the front seats that's Mm -hmm. where she is and she looks the window 
I make sure I keep a little peephole open for her because she's my first line of defense. She's my eyes and my ears while I'm oh, yeah. trying to get ready. And somehow she's she innately knows that. And she makes sure she spends her time protecting. But the way that I navigate her being aggressive is I'm mindful of her personal space and I'm mindful of individual spaces when we go certain places. So if I know there's going to be a lot of people, I make sure that that's just not a time that we go or it's not Mm -hmm. a space we go. We have to find other things to do. So that typically leads us to be by ourselves. Now, there are times that I've manipulated and I've been around a lot of people. If it's a severely like anxious place where it's a lot of energy, I can pick that, that energy up on her and we'll just leave. So I just, I have to adapt my travel to, it's not just about me, it's about her as well. And I make sure that the way that I'm comfortable, she's just as comfortable. Yeah, I love that answer because it's so true. It's not, people always ask me about like their specific dog situations. And I always have to explain to them, like you got the dog. You're obviously, I mean, unless you are that type of person, but you're probably not going to be dropping that dog off somewhere and leaving it. Like if the dog's coming with you, you owe it to your dog to fit this life. Like you're getting to live your dream. So you have to at least fit it relatively around the dog that you are essentially making do it too, right? And so like, they're not choosing van life. And so I really, and I also love that you said, cause I've always said that about my dogs as well. Like if they did not do well in the van, I would not be living in a van. Like my dogs come first. It's, it's what I chose when I got them. And yep. so I just love that you said you would choose Cleo before the van, because I just think that that's so important for people to understand. Like don't get a dog, especially don't get a dog in a van a lot. Like people get all these puppies and vans and stuff then, and then they go on social media and they talk about how incredibly difficult it is and they don't know what to do. And I'm just like, you have to just do what the dog needs you to do. Like and if that's not the van, then it's not the van and that's what you chose. So yeah, I like that. I get so many DMs like, you know, I'll, I'm I'm about to start my van journey with a dog and specifically a German Shepherd. And I have to remind people, if you are just getting a dog for the aesthetic mm-hmm. to be take pictures with your dog on Instagram, that is not a good enough reason. Like I'm a That's dog first, so I'm going to keep it very real. Do not do that because eventually you're going to get the dog and have to give it away. And now the dog has to face all the emotions of being displaced. Right. You know, after you've already shown them love. If you're going to get a dog, it needs to be for the right reasons. I don't think necessarily getting a dog to experience van life is a good reason. I had yeah. Cleo before my van and my relationship with her was beautiful. So I, I had a feeling she would be able to adapt. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say people shouldn't get a dog as they're in their van, but they need to make sure they're doing it for the right reasons because if not, yeah. it's going to be really difficult. Right. For sure. And like, I got my dogs while in the van, but it was because I knew I was going to be spending an extended period of time alone. And I was like, I need something to connect with, hug, cuddle, sleep with, but it was, it was never, which, and I think now in van life, especially like I've seen, and I don't give myself any credit to like starting this, but I know a lot of my photos really went viral of Ella as a puppy. And so I kind of feel like I really, I kind of initiated this idea of having this adorable little fluff puppy in a van and it looks very idealistic, very beautiful. And I I just now see a lot of people getting these really fluffy, little cute, adorable, amazing, I'm sure dogs, but I, I do question their motives. Whereas I was genuinely doing it as someone who's fresh out of a breakup. I wanted something to love and to take care of. It was never about the Instagram photo. It was just that I have this dog and this van. I'm obviously just taking a photo of my life. And so, yeah. 
And you can tell that even with your pictures and your photos, you can have a whole story and it'll just be Ella. Like that's right. how much you love with your dog you are. So it's obvious that it's not for the aesthetic and some people, that's what they're doing. Right. Yeah, for sure. So interesting. I had no intentions of talking about this, but I love that you're such a dog person. I know that you had a dog, obviously, but you never know like how, how in love with a person like, or how in love with a dog a person really is. So the fact that we've got on this, love it, love nothing more. Okay. Switching over to your van a little bit. You have a pro master. What year is the pro master? 2019. 2019 pro master. What made you choose that particular van? Well, actually that's kind of like all they had. (laughs) (laughs) Who is they? And all they have for like the price point that I got it for. Mm-hmm. And it's the shortest wheelbase, which at the time I actually wasn't even aware that there were longer wheelbases. But this one I'm able to park in regular parking spots and it looks a lot more normal as opposed to like a home, which kind of works for me because I'm by myself. But I chose that van because of the, the price point. The mileage was great. And the the height, the roof height wasn't extended. So that was great, too. And the newer van, I was able to get a great warranty on it. Yeah. So that's why I went with it, yeah. It was, it was a great choice. The only con I had about it or have about it is that it's not a four by four. Right, same. Four five, yeah, so I've gotten stuck twice. But outside of that, it's great. Yeah. What have you done? I just got Max Tracks. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. They're like these. Yeah. yeah I just got those because I'm like queen of getting stuck. I go places all the time where I'm literally <laughs> driving and I'm like, you're probably going to get stuck. And I don't know why I do it because it's so stressful. I immediately get anxiety. I'm like, why did you do this? So what do you do in those scenarios? Because I, I do it all the time. So I have AAA, mm-hmm. which is such a pain in the butt to have to acknowledge the fact that, why did I do this? I know, I know. I knew I was going to get stuck. So I called AAA the first time. And the second time I was actually here at the beach and uh, a couple drove by and he was just like, hey, you know, I have a tow truck. So just in case you get stuck, here's my car. And I was like, okay. So I'm out there taking pictures, looking cute. And it was time for me to leave. And I was doing good. But right when the, the gravel and the sand started getting real murky, I got stuck and I had to call him and he was like three minutes away. So I got lucky. Yeah, that but lucky. after that, I got the, the pads. I don't know how to use them, but I have. Them. Yeah, <laughs> I've used them. I practice used them once. I made, I've been with Henry for a few weeks and I literally just got them. So I made him get stuck because he has just, he has like a lift on his van. He has these massive tires and stuff. This was, I just got my tires done, but it was before that. And um, so I was like, you get stuck and we're going to just practice this for when I'm by myself. And they honestly, they were great. I mean, we had to use them a couple, like a couple times because he, he was, I mean, he was buried. But I mean, he got out and I was like, as long as I don't have to sit for three or four hours, like I have in the past and wait for AAA or whatever, I'm good. Can't complain. Yeah, I agree. That's um, definitely the good about the van. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So yeah, in the future, I definitely want to, my next van, I would like to, for it to be four by four. I, I want to get another transit and they don't make four by four transits, but they do make all wheel drive, which supposedly, I don't know these things, if it's the same mm-hmm. or not, but I've heard that it's similar. Mm-hmm. I don't have much understanding on that, but I've heard that. So maybe that. Did you build your van yourself or did you have it built? No, I didn't build my van myself. So I went to a few different companies and they tried to charge so much money uh-huh. starting at $80,000 for the bare minimum. Yes, like oh. for the bare minimum. <laughs> 
So I ended up having, like, my mom was having a window put in her home. And she was just like, you know, well, why don't we ask the contractor that will put it in the window if they can build out your van? It's essentially the same thing because they're doing construction in the house. Mm -hmm. It's just a different aspect in the van. Right. And so he said, yes, I showed him pictures, one of them being yours. And he he did it. Yep. Oh, my God. And he killed it. Your van looks beautiful. Thank you. How long did the build take? It took him about two months. Okay. Yeah. Mine was almost the exact same time. Yeah. It took him about two months. It went by really fast. Yeah. Mine was the exact same. Although I didn't, I was at my parents' house, so I didn't feel like it went by fast at all. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) woo, ready any day. Did you have any experience seeing vans in person? Because I know in the South, it's not as common as it is like out West and stuff. So when I was in Indiana, I had not seen a single van before I lived in one, like in person. It was just something I saw like a few people doing on social media. And then I ended up asking the guys who did it. I did something very similar to what you did, asking someone who didn't have any like van experience. And so, yeah, did you, had you seen them in person or was it mostly social media? I hadn't seen, I still, honestly, I'm trying to make sure I'm telling the truth. I don't think I've been in anyone else's van. Oh, really? Still to this day? Yeah, still to this day. Yeah. I don't have everything inside of anyone else's van outside of social media. Oh my God. That's kind of amazing. How long have you been on the road for? So we left June of 2020 as the pandemic was going through the process. Oh my God. It feels like you've been on the road so much longer than that. I know. No, I feel like I've been I, following you for years. <laughs> I know. I know. I started June 9th of 2020. Okay. It hasn't even been a year. Yeah, it hasn't been a year. Wow, that's really amazing. So how was van life during the pandemic for you, leaving during such a time? That that makes Honestly, that makes way more sense why you haven't seen the inside of another person's van then. Because you haven't done like big gatherings and things like that. Yeah, all of that was already at a halt. So it was... It was normal traveling at that time. The only thing that was abnormal was having to check and see our national parks open because that's where my passion is. So seeing if parks, state parks, national parks are open, seeing if campsites were open. And then I went to Monument Valley. That's the only place I went where Mm -hmm. everything was closed. Interesting. Yeah, I was able to find a state park. But as far as being able to see things in Monument Valley, it was all closed. So that was the only hiccup I had as far as the pandemic. Outside of that, everything was perfect. And when I left, all of the national parks had already reopened. Right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I haven't been to a national park in so long, mostly because of the pandemic, but I also, I don't really do a lot of national parks because of the dogs, but yeah. Okay. So what do you do for work? So I do a few different things for work, especially now since um, I'm just venturing off. So initially I started off in the military Uh and then transitioned over as a police officer. And then I transitioned over as a criminal justice instructor. So that's where the teaching comes in. I teach middle school and high school students. So outside of that, I'm also a life coach Uh and I guide people through their trauma into their healing. And on top of that, I also sell skincare products. So I just kind of do a lot of different things to bring in, you know, income and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Okay. So, and that's something I really wanted to talk about as somebody who follows you on social media, you seem to have like what would typically be these two different people wrapped up in one because you are all about like love and peace and grace and beauty. And like, you're very uh, calming and like meditative. 
but you're also a police or you're an, I guess, ex-police officer and ex-military. So what is that experience like to be somebody who embodies these, what would be considered two different type of people? Yeah, you know, it was never difficult for me. I realized that that was my lane as opposed to when you put on the uniform, you know, a lot of ego comes up with that uniform and a lot of assertion of authority. And I was just always very clear that that's not my lane. I come from a place of love Mm -hmm. and a place of beautiful spirit and light. And I want to stay there. I want to keep my heart pure and my heart happy. And I want to treat people how they deserve to be treated. And so it's never been a, a, a tassel for me in that space. I've always just remained true to who I was. Yeah, that's so interesting. So how was your, like, were you a police officer last year or were you already out of the police force? Yes. Okay. So how was it? How was your 2020 experience? Everyone had a wild experience. 2020 experience as a black female police officer. I would love to hear your experience and your feelings about all of the things that happened. You know, it not was, all of the things. We don't have to name anything specific, especially like we just whatever you're comfortable with. For sure. It was traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> it was traumatic. And it took me some time to realize how traumatic it was. Mm-hmm. And there were just so many different events to where one event where everyone's life was in jeopardy. You know, at some point with the pandemic, no one knew what to do. No one knew what would keep them safe. And then they had issues with police killings, right? With Mm -hmm. George Floyd. And then, you know, a lot of Black people being police officers or just Black people in general, just not feeling safe. So, uh, and then me actually wearing the uniform Mm -hmm. of being a police officer that's causing people who look like me to not feel safe was really a difficult space to be in. And so, because I'm feeling the pain with them Mm -hmm. and also still feeling a sense of having to prove that you are still a good person. Right. So I just had to give myself permission that I don't have to do any of that. I can still feel the pain that the world is feeling at this time and still feel the pain of the people who look like me, what they're fi- that they're feeling at this time and still do my job to heal myself mm-hmm. and still put out enough energy and enough light to show people that they can heal as well. So it was a weird space to maneuver through. 2020 took a lot out of everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a weird space. But my van was what turned it around for me Mm. and really gave me a healthy perspective because I was able to take myself out of this bubble of society. Everything in the bubble was kind of meant to make you fearful or sad or full of anxiety or scared about your health. And so the second I got in my van, none of that had power over me anymore. Right. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. 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 That's really incredible. Was What was the, the reason behind, was it the van or was it like the current events that led you to transition from not being a police officer anymore? I just had to be honest with the fact that it didn't resonate with my spirit. When I got into policing, I was always into serving the community. From 18, I was in the military. Uh So at the time of my transition from the military to policing, it was just a beautiful transition. I Uh still was able to serve the public. I was still able to give and and do my best to keep people safe. But there's a lot of energy that that isn't always positive surrounding wearing a uniform, having to walk outside and, you know, your police chief telling you, make sure you take your uniform off before you step outside. 
not feeling safe at any given time just because of the uniform I wear. And it was the same in the military as well. So because you have people who support it and you have people who don't and they always notice you and you never know where you are and who's watching. So I just had to get honest with as as much peace as I do to make as much peace as things that I do to make sure I cultivate my peace. As much things as I do to make sure I cultivate a healing space in my life, I don't resonate with having to walk in fear, walk in anger, um, just walking in the energy that that uniform brought, even though I'm very proud of it. That's what I was just about to ask. If it was more so the safety and the, like you being fearful, or was it that you no longer felt like prideful of the of the uniform and of the position? I was still prideful because I, I take a lot of pride in serving the community. I take a lot of pride in that. And I have a huge issue with people who don't utilize that position the way that it's supposed to be done. So I take a lot of pride in the policing and in the uniform. But as far as all the things that came with it, it just didn't resonate with my spirit. It was heavy. It was heavy to, you know, I think my last experience, there was a guy and I just asked him to, we were at a prom and I asked him to move his car up so the other cars could get into the driveway as well. And he cursed me out, like out of my name, all kinds of things. And everybody knows I'm, I'm a pleasant person. I'm not going to be rude because I don't want anyone to be rude with me. Mm-hmm. But when he responded to me in that way for no reason, that was my last day. Wow. That was, my last day. That was and nothing had happened prior to that to where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. When that happened to me, I realized that I actually don't deserve to be in a situation to where I can possibly be mistreated just because of my job. And so I was honoring only doing things that resonate with my spirit, things that make me feel happy and uplifted and full of peace and joy. If it wasn't bringing it to me, I just didn't have the capacity to participate anymore. Right. Wow. That's incredible. Well, I'm super happy that you made that decision for yourself. I mean, you do obviously have to put yourself in your own mental health ahead of all things so that you can function correctly. I do have one more question kind of on the topic. You mentioned really because I think you have a really unique uh, perspective on as being a black woman, also doing being a police officer. Like what would be your opinion on like trying to get to uh, especially a world where we stop police brutality obviously we are a ways away from that but like what do you think needs to be done in your in your opinion from you based off you know your own experience what do you think that we could do as a society to try and move towards that you know this is a very interesting topic and that's a very interesting question because there's no one answer and it's right. so many layers to it so First, what what people feel is that the system itself, right, the system itself that was kind of created in a way that wasn't fair to everybody, including Black people. Mm -hmm. So that system would first need to be destroyed and recreated in a way to where everyone is looked at equal. Mm -hmm. However, that is very much so on the surface, in my opinion, In my opinion, it takes a lot of internal healing. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is more of a spiritual warfare as far as people just not being in tune with the love that is inside themselves. And so when you have, you know, hatred in your heart, when you have so many things that are disconnected within your being, it becomes easy for people to um, maneuver in ways that are not maneuver in ways that 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 hinder other people from being able to live the life that they deserve to have. 
and it creates an environment where people are, are hostile and that are toxic. And so I think the best way to heal any type of division is you have to really have individuals who are willing to take a look at themselves on the inside and do the healing that is necessary for them to become a better person, for them to be more connected with their soul, for them to be more connected with the love that that they have at the depths of who they are, not just for people who look like them, but for everyone. So I think more of an internal battle that people are having that really has to be checked out. Because even with the system, say we change the system, say we create brand new laws that are meant for everyone, right? But if you still have people who have not dealt with what's going on internally within them, the toxicity that is within them, you have toxic people who are still in a brand new system. Right. So I don't think that is just the system, even though that's one aspect. It really has a lot to do with what's going on internally. And that in itself is difficult to try to fix. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, there's just no... There is no way of forcing other people to do those things, you know, like you can hope for it. I mean, I guess that's really where people saying, you know, the, the conversation just needs to be had because I think a lot of people, don't, they're not even self-aware enough to really know that they need to do that internal work. So even people listening to this podcast, hopefully someone is stopping in their tracks and being like, maybe I should process some things and figure myself out a little. Why do I have these beliefs? Why do I think this way? You know, like I... Yeah, I just think maybe even having the conversation and hearing others' perspectives could help because, yeah, there's just no way of, like, making people do that type of work, you know, even if they need it. I have a lot of friends in the yoga community, and when all of that was happening with George Floyd, which made me even more grateful for them, they would come, and they were either Caucasian or maybe Asian or something like that. Yeah. And and ask, like, what are ways that I can show up to to honor you or to honor what I don't understand. Like is, are they would ask questions to make sure that they could understand more. And they understood that even though it's not their experience, they still wanted to be supportive and use their resources in whatever possible way. So it's everyone's issue. And I love that the people that were in my community made sure that, you know, they didn't have to be standing tall with the Black Lives Matter, you know, poster. But they made sure that they let me know and the other people in our community that look like me that, hey, we we support you. And I ha- they ask questions, like in-depth questions mm-hmm. to the point of, it's okay. Like, you don't have to ask that. And they were like, no, <laughs> yes, I do. Like, I, I want to learn. Like, I want to see what you see because a lot of people just don't see it. And right. a lot of people don't want to do the self-work because then you have to actually acknowledge that you weren't aware. And some people feel guilty from that. So it's easier just going about your regular life. But I think it's beautiful when people at least stop to take self-inventory and and go from there. Like that's a beautiful space to be in and it should be commended. Yeah, for sure. And it should be done. And I mean, this is a obviously just a, such an important thing that they need to be working on and thinking of and going to people and hearing what others have to say. But also like people should be willing to do that self-work in all aspects, in all regards, like get into yourself about all these things. You don't know everything about anything. So like do that work across the board, you know, like it's going to do nothing but benefit you as a human being to do that in any opportunity that you have. If you have an opportunity to grow, take the opportunity. Like ego needs to go to the side and you need to just admit when you don't know and just 
take the opportunity to become a better person. Very true. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for saying all of that, by the way, that is really beautiful. I, I really have so much appreciation and respect for like your perspective on things because you do, you're very much like myself where like, I try, I try to think of all things in like a love healing growth type of way. It gets difficult, obviously <laughs> with like, I mean, you're angry and, you know, frustrated and like all of these things, but I do try and have that perspective. And I really love the fact that you do the same thing, but yeah. Okay. So there's many different facets to you as a perfect person. So I do want to try and cover as many as possible. And you write these long, amazing captions that are like a breath of fresh air. Like it's always like, I should add your captions into my like hour of like meditating and you know yoga of the day, like end it with a Candace love caption or something. Cause you just, you know, you're very, very like self-aware, but this past week you wrote about healing trauma from your childhood stemming from your parents and the difference in understanding their pain and their healing versus your pain and your healing. So I would love to hear about this a little bit more if you don't mind and your journey to healing some of those wounds to now even teaching and helping others to do the same thing. Right. Okay. So when I was younger, my father was not present. I was raised by my mom. And so the first memory that I have, my dad was an alcoholic as well. And so the first memory that I have was when I was 13 years old and he came to my doorstep at my birthday party. I just turned 13 and he was drunk and crying at the front door. And he just kept saying how much he loved me, how much he was sorry, how much he really wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. And that was first time that I acknowledged that he had an issue and if he if he knew and had the capacity to to be there for me then he actually would Mm -hmm. and so from that though because I understood I bypassed all of the emotions that came from having an absent father because I understood you know he's going through something he's an alcoholic he doesn't mean any harm if he could be there then he would be there he's a great person he just doesn't know how to be a father and so what happened was I ended up feeling bad for him I felt sorry for him and I pitied him and anytime it would be moments where I wish he could have been there or I wanted to judge him or be angry at the fact that he was not there I always dismissed those emotions because I understood why he couldn't be there I understood that you know he was experiencing a lot in his life and that is what was hindering him well when I got older I also had an addiction to alcohol and I had no idea where it stemmed from. And I also would get in relationships and I would create ideas of who I thought the perfect man was because I was creating ideas of who I wish my dad was. Mm -hmm. So I had all these unrealistic expectations for men in relationships. They need to love me a certain way. They need to uh, protect me in a certain way. All of these things that are truly outside of their control that I should have been given to myself. And so with that post, what I was saying was a lot of times, especially now that I'm doing uh, healing sessions, one-on-one intentional sessions with my clients, a lot of issues that come up is from the parents. And before I ask them, you know, what's your relationship like with your mom? And they'll say, well, you know, she doesn't mean any harm. And I know she tried her best. She made sure she gave me food and clothes. Mm -hmm. So they'll run down all the accolades so they don't feel bad for saying she did not love me the way that I needed to. The way that she loved me actually traumatized me. It was traumatic for me. Instead of them just saying that, they have to protect the parent. 
And so in that post, what I was saying was, it's okay to still love your parents. It's okay to still forgive your parents, but you're also allowed to hold them accountable in the same breath. And holding somebody accountable does not mean that you are blaming them. It just means that you are acknowledging how their parenting or lack of parenting has affected you as a child and how it has manifested in your adult life. Mm -hmm. So I'm allowed to say that my dad not being in my life really, really hurt me. It hurt my feelings. It made me feel abandoned, neglected, not good enough. It made me compare myself to other people. I couldn't understand why he chose alcohol and why he did not choose me. And so what's manifested in my relationships is men who would choose other women and would not choose me. Mm -hmm. And so I would end up battling myself and really taking it out and projecting it onto the men. But my real issue was my dad. And so... I had one argument with a guy that I was dating and what I was really saying to him are things that I wish that I was saying to my dad. And that's typically what happens in relationships, friendships at work. We get angry because someone triggers us mm-hmm. and then spew out to that person all the things that we wish we said to the person that actually caused the wound. Yep. This person is just the one who kind of, you know, messed with the wound a little bit. So we're just vomiting everything onto them, but we really wish that we were talking to the source. And so in the midst of that argument, I was like, whoa, I'm honestly not even mad at you right now. I don't know why I'm arguing with you and just being so mean and hostile and toxic with you. I should be saying all these things to my dad. I'm asking you, why would you choose that person and not choose me? When I really want to ask my dad, why did you choose alcohol? How come I wasn't good enough for you to choose me? Mm -hmm. And so in that post is really just giving people the freedom or helping them choose their own freedom to still be able to acknowledge how their parents' lack of parenting has affected them without feeling like they have to play the the blame game. Because it's not about blame. You can't move forward into happiness, joy, and peace if there's still unresolved emotions that you haven't acknowledged. And typically who we are now stems from how we were treated as a child and typically by our parents. That is the starting groundwork for anyone who wants to heal anything. So yeah, that's what the post was about. Yeah, no, that's dude. My God. Okay. You just blew me away. That's it's (laughs) you. You need to have a podcast. Everybody go to Candace Love on Instagram. Just read all of her captions. As soon as you get done meditating. No, that is, that's really incredible. I'm curious, like what, what helped you? Was it van life? Like, was it before van life? It had to have been before van life. Cause I can't imagine you doing all of this healing and processing since it being in the van. Like, how did you get to a point of peak wisdom? <laughs> how did you, how did you get here? I mean, you just, you are phenomenal. It's obvious at like processing. And I'm not saying maybe you're not always the best at processing. Maybe it takes you some time like it does, you know, other people, but you really are, you have done such a fantastic job of like acknowledging things, clearly processing them, analyzing them, and then trying to heal and grow from them. So like, I mean, what was that? What came into your life? Was it yoga? Was it van life? Like what exactly was it that helped you dissect these things that you've been through? It was a toxic relationship. (laughs) Oh, love that. (laughs) It was an extremely toxic relationship. And I was at the lowest 
that I could ever go and no confidence, allowing myself to be treated any type of way by the other person. And the only way up was from there. But I realized all the things that I knew at that point was not working Uh because if they were working, I wouldn't be in this situation. So I had to look for ask for, ask the universe for different ways to be guided and be open to not just pointing the finger at the person I was in a toxic relationship, but also acknowledging that if I've attracted this toxic relationship, if I've allowed myself to be a part of this toxic relationship for so long, there has to be toxic parts within me that identify with the toxic parts within that person and that relationship. And so once I realized that would be the groundwork, it literally became my passion going inside, doing the internal self-reflection on purpose. Before anybody would have the opportunity to say, you know, you could have done that better. I'm already taking my own inventory. Not because I want to have the one up on them, but because I'm actually passionate about knowing, is there something that I could have done better, differently? Is there something within myself that needs more attention, more nurturing, more healing? And those became the questions that I started asking myself. And then I just started learning more. And then once that passion took over to really learn myself, everything else made sense. So a lot of people ask, like, you know, did you read a lot of books? Like, did you have a mentor? Huh? I didn't have all any of those things. Basically, what I did was I studied myself because all of us are typically looking for the same thing love and we just go about it in different ways different relationships it comes out in different ways but if I studied myself I studied why I did things why I responded why certain things triggered me what my triggers were Mm -hmm. I did all of that in-depth studying and healing and going back and studying going back and healing it would make sense that I don't have to read a book because the books are just telling me what I already know within myself right I'm myself and the books are just helping me remember myself and so that's how I got started I just started doing in-depth self-reflection on everything regarding me that was coming up and resurfacing yeah so but so when you say studying yourself what did that tangibly look like did it look like meditating did it look like when you were going you traveled internationally were you thinking about that on walks did you I mean because like what I do is legitimately like lay in bed at night and I stare at my ceiling and it's like sounds silly but like I've spent hours and hours and hours of my life staring at the ceiling thinking about things and processing things and like that is part of how I've healed and grown from certain things is just by me laying awake at night and thinking about them so what did when you say studying yourself like what exactly does does that look like for you so initially it looked like And then it started to look like isolation, Uh extreme times of silence and not being around other people because I had to get clear on what was actually real and the ego trying to tell me what was real. What was society trying to tell me what was real? What emotions really needed my attention? And so a lot of time to myself was able to be given to these different parts of myself. My band life is so beautiful. And a lot of people aren't aware that when you go on the road and you're by yourself and you have all this time by uh-huh. yourself, you have no choice but to self-reflect. Oh and yeah, you no, are, it, you, you're doing it whether you want to or not. It's not why I hit, uh, hit the road <laughs> at all. I didn't, I mean, if you would have asked me two or three years ago, sorry to kind of interrupt what you're saying, but if you would have asked me a couple years ago, 
you know, do you, do you have trauma that you need to heal from? I would be like, no, like I had a pretty solid childhood, honestly. Like there's, there was no major trauma in my life that I so badly needed to heal from. And then I hit the road and I was like, wait a second, that really hurt me. That really bothered me. That turned me into this type of person. I haven't even dressed in clothes that I like in a decade because I wanted to just impress whoever I, the group of people I happened to be around. And so it was like, I started stripping. I had no intentions of doing this, but I mean, like you said, you spend enough time on yourself. You start to go a little cray, but it's in a good way. And so mm-hmm. But I started stripping all these things down and I, I started, you know, coming home and like I growing my hair out and just like doing, you know, like doing things that I was like, yeah, I feel myself. When I look in the mirror, I see me like I'd never seen that before. I'd always looked in the mirror and seen a girl who was just fitting wherever she was in life. Like I went to an art school. Okay. Well then I'm going to make myself look artistic. Okay. I'm hanging with this kind of crowd. Okay. Well then, you know, my boyfriend was really into like, he was a rapper. And so him and his friends just dressed like you know black and leather and this and that so I was like that's what I was just wearing to impress his friends and as silly as it sounds when you look in the mirror and you're doing those things it's like you just are never facing yourself and so it just felt so good after you know month by month by month in my van I could feel myself just becoming so much more comfortable and this is really on the surface right like this isn't even all the internal things that I was doing this is just my appearance and being able to see myself and be like, whoa, I don't have to wear makeup every day. Weird. I don't need fake nails. Weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is so true. I think you explained that perfect. You really, and like how you said, you started thinking of like, that did hurt me. I started remembering yeah. things from when I was like six years old, old memories. Yeah. I remember the first time I was embarrassed, just randomly driving. And now you have time where all of these things are coming to surface. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned to do was anytime something comes to surface is to honor it and sit mm-hmm. still with it and be quiet. Even my soul partner now, we have moments where we're just like, maybe we're in the midst of a conversation and something will come up that's surfacing and we'll allow ourselves to have moments of silence, like not even in conversation, just to have time to sit with what what our soul is trying to bring up for us to remind us like, hey, go back to it needs healing. This memory needs your touch right now. It needs some nurturing and some love yeah. right now. And so I just really started practicing doing that. A lot of people want to do physical things to make it mm-hmm. go away. And that's not necessarily mm-hmm. how it works. Like I, I love yoga and I'm a huge advocate for meditation. Yoga is not something that I do all the time, but I love the fact that it moves stagnant energy. I'm allowed to move my body. Yeah, Meditation is beautiful too. It's another way to connect with past versions of ourselves, past lives, different universes that we aren't even privy to with the naked eye, but they help the situation. They, they may not change it. We have to ultimately go back to those parts of ourselves and nurture those parts of ourselves and build a better relationship. That's the only way to move forward in this journey of healing. So that's what I did. I started realizing I had to connect back with me. Yeah. Yeah. You're so interesting. This is so interesting. (laughs) I love this. I feel like I'm in a one-on-one coaching. I mean, this, that's great. Where can people find, how can people sign up for one-on-one? I, there's your guy, you've got to get some clients from this. I mean, damn, I've honestly, I I think I'm going to be the first one to sign up. Where can people find your coaching? So I have a link in my bio. It's called one-on-one intentional healing. 
and they can go to my site right from the link and they can choose a date and a time and also pay online for our session. I also give extensive homework throughout each session to where they are constantly able to stay involved in their healing process. And we just go from wherever the energetic blockage is, the emotional blockage is, and we really focus on why you don't feel good about yourself, able to thrive, able to make decisions, have anxiety, depression, whatever it is, parental issues, issues in relationships with your children. And we go to source (laughs) of what the issue is. I don't just provide like, you know, hey, go do this, go do that. We actually go to the source of what's happening. So people have a clear idea and they're able to see why they feel the way that they feel. Yeah. No, I mean, I think people can even just gather from listening to you speak that you have, you're very um, intentional and detailed and like, it, you know, it, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't imagine you being like a surface level type of coach because you're just not a surface level type of person <laughs> at all. But yeah, that sounds incredible. Where else, aside from just the, the coaching, where can people find you and how can, how can they support you other than coaching? For sure. So people can find me on Instagram and YouTube at Candylove, C-A-N-D-Y-S-S dot L-O-V-E. That's on Instagram and YouTube. That's my one-on-one intentional healing sessions that I just spoke about. I also have a skincare line that is launching next week. And I also have a inexpensive guide to starting band life, an ebook that is coming next week as well. And that basically is because a lot of people see the viral YouTube pictures or videos on Instagram where people are spending like $90,000 on their van. And I only spent $3,000 on my entire van. And I believe that people are able to do that and live and have beautiful vans that are nice and um, luxurious as well and not have to break the bank doing it. And so I just go down in details with all of the things that I did for my van and just encourage people to be able to do those same things for themselves. So that'll be on sale next week. Okay, amazing. And this will be out after that. So it will be, if you're listening to this, it is out and on sale. So buy it. Yeah. Follow Candace. You really are just a treat to follow. Like it is, it is really one of those things where, I mean, I'm sure you're doing it to help others, but it's, I think, cause people also always tell me, they're just like, I know you might hear this all the time, but like, I think it's nice to receive people saying these things. So it's like it, when I'm going about a hectic or chaotic or stressful day and someone like I can stop and see your picture and I know what's coming. <laughs> I know, I know the caption is about to bring me some good peace. I mean, it's nice to like, have something to pull you back to the present moment and, and take a deep breath. And I think your even just your videos and your like the reels that you do and your captions and stuff, it's it's such a spectacular thing to be associated with. I associate you with that. And you know what I like, it's just, yeah, you're a light for I'm sure many, many people, including myself. So thank you for doing what you do. Yeah. And thank you for doing what you do. Like you really gave me the guts to be able to start this journey and just seeing how badass you were and how like fearless and how when you spoke, you spoke with authority and you just carried yourself so beautifully. And I was like, mama, look at her. Oh my God. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. Things were not always that way. So it like feels so good to be at that point where, you know, somebody could actually be looking at me and say, saying that they saw me as that because yeah, it's just incredible. 
but I appreciate you. Thanks for being on the podcast. I can't wait to talk to you again while, while we're not recording the whole time. <laughs> and hopefully if I'm in Houston or you come out this way, I would love to be able to see you on the road. And yeah, I, I don't know how Cleo does with other dogs, but we can make it work some, some kind of way. Yeah. So anyways, thank you so much. I'm so happy to get to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored. Absolutely. Of course. All right. Bye Candace. Bye.